Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 183. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm so excited to introduce a very special guest, John DeGeese. John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Great to have you here. John DeGeese is an international motorsports journalist and photographer who specializes in the coverage of sports car and endurance racing. For the past 10 years, he's traveled the globe reporting on professional auto racing series, including the Tudor United Sports Car Championship, FIA World Endurance Championship, and pinnacle events such as the 24-Hour of Le Mans. John founded SportsCar365.com in 2013, and he's an independent news source for sports car racing. He also serves as a correspondent for foxsports.com. John, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share some more about your history, your business, your career, and your passion for automobiles? Well, it started off at a young age, obviously, and I've always felt like I had a passion for cars. My dad is a big car enthusiast, and, and just growing up, going through magazines and into car swap meets and, and whatnot. I knew I had a career path somewhere in cars and particularly <laughs> racing, you know? Yeah. So went to my first race in, I think, 1995, it must be. Mm-hmm. It was the first ever IRL race, actually, at Walt Disney World Speedway. Oh, wow. Cool. I was, I was um, pretty young at the time. Must have been seven or eight years old, maybe, because I'm 28 now. So, uh-huh. And it was it was a really cool experience and, and sort of got my whole you know, my, my parents involved in racing too. I, I, I was hooked from there and, um, we went to a lot of NASCAR races growing up and when I was growing up and, uh, I sort of found a more defined path, you know, by maybe nine, you know, mid nineties to early two thousands in, in, in sports car racing. And I just loved the exotic prototypes and GT cars and, and a lot of the production car relevance, you know, on, on the road and new technologies being developed and, and, and I, I, it excited me, you know. I, I obviously enjoyed watching Formula One on TV as well, and NASCAR was, was still sort of big in my in my heart at that time too. But it sort of started to taper off over the years. And um, at that point, you know, 
in, in high school and, and whatnot, I knew that I had to make a career out of racing and I didn't know what path to go. And I was sort of thought maybe engineering could be an interesting part, but I, math wasn't really my specialty. I, I was okay, but I wasn't really that good in it. Mm-hmm. So I decided to sort of take the route towards journalism. And I started a website called thepaddock.net in 2005, my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. With, uh, with a friend uh, in Germany who I actually had met from sim racing online. And that's a whole nother backstory <laughs> with that. We just started a website, you know, basically putting news up on, on sports car racing. And, and he held the, the reins over in Europe. I did the stuff in the U.S. And we applied for some credentials for the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Actually, he went that year and we got accepted. And I, I think that was a real pivotal point there too feeling that we were a legitimate oh yeah news outlet yeah. and uh and worked my way up from there and and spent two years doing that and uh then i went to work for motorsport.com and did an internship with them through college and l- learned a lot of the ropes of journalism there you mm-hmm. know and i think that's what really helped me get to where i am now and from there um final year of, of college um, i was hired by speed channel and which was fox and uh enjoyed five and a half years with them basically full-time as their sports car reporter until the whole changeover from Speed Channel oh, to Fox Sports yes. 1 happened. Uh-huh. That was sort of had a, you know, they had to cut me from a full-time to some more of a part-time employee. So I'm still doing work for them, which is great. But um, I found a new calling with restarting a website of my own and with sportscar365.com. And it's uh, it's been an amazing journey ever since. Well, it's such a wonderful journey, your whole story. I love the fact that you combined your passion for automobiles into a vocation. You started so young. I think that's great as well. And I know that you're getting ready to leave for a race down in Australia tomorrow, right? Yeah. In fact, um, I'm leaving tomorrow for the Bathurst 12-hour. And uh, it's a pretty big race with a lot of GT3 cars, uh, other GT cars, and and some production cars as well. Uh, It's an amazing circuit, Mount Panorama. It's most most known for the Bathurst 1000, the V8 supercars race there. But this event in particular is growing in stature. And uh, I really enjoy going to Australia. And it's it's uh, a good time of the year to get out of the snowy uh, weather yes. in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially this winter. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra of some kind. It's a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and perhaps your success. And it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, John, take the wheel. Well, I don't have a particular quote, but I have sort of like an influential person, per se, maybe. Oh, perfect. And, and it's, it's really Steve Jobs. And ah. I've, always been in, I've always been into computers. I've been a, a, a computer geek my whole life, even before cars, per se. Mm-hmm. And I, I really just liked his his attitude in life and and just to sort of live it to the fullest and 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 live every day that is like, it's like your last day and you know and he made this commencement speech i think it was at stanford university yes maybe, maybe yes. about 10 years ago or uh-huh. something and and that really stuck in my head when i first saw it sure i was still a little later in life there and i it wasn't a motivating factor for me to be where i am now but it sort of keeps me going right now and it has the motivation for me to still do what i'm doing and and I think that's an important part, you know, to do what you love doing and not just be stuck stuck behind a desk with a nine to five job and and hating work and and not, you know, not getting out to experience new things and 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 explore new opportunities. Well, it's definitely the right way to to experience your life. And so many of my guests here on Cars, yeah, share that common theme. 
in some cases, they've been in an automotive career their whole life as far as like you have in many ways, and other people made a transition at some point. I'm hoping that Cars yeah can be an inspiration to those people that perhaps are successful but not happy with what they're doing, and they hear people like yourself, John, talking and say, you know what, I need to get out and do what I like as well with my life. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talk about going to those races when you were a kid. Can you remember a pivotal moment when you really knew you were a car guy? It's tough to pin down on one specific thing. You know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and I, I really can't remember one thing in, in particular, but it's just I, I always like the technical aspects of cars. I think that's what really where I excel in. I'm not, you know, very, I'm not a super expert on it, but I think that's what sort of sets it apart from other sports. You know, it's like, I, I never was big into baseball or or football or soccer or any traditional stick and ball sports. It was always about cars and it, it's, it's hard to, hard to really explain why, but, you know, I, I think it's really just, you know, the nuts and bolts of everything. Sure. I understand. I had someone ask me once, why do you love cars so much? What is it about cars? And I said, you know, I think it's that combination of the technical aspect of a machine and how it all works together. And of course, the beautiful design is another key element of it. And especially when you get into racing, the aerodynamics and things like that. So I understand. John, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads that you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But the most important part of this question has to do with how you overcame that situation. And even more importantly, what did you learn from it? Well, I think one of the big challenges was actually starting my own website back in the beginning. When I started the paddock.net in 2005, I didn't have any connection in the industry at all. It was just sort of a leap of, leap of faith that I jumped in there and decided to to try it out. And even then, I wasn't even that good of a writer. And it was it was my senior year of high school, and I, I took a, a, a journalism class. And it wasn't actually a journalism class; it was a college writing class. And oh, so it was okay. like it was like to how to prepare for writing, you know, um, uh, college entrance exam letters. And <laughs> sure. and it was and it was right there that I sort of thought that well, maybe I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. the, the teacher was really inspirational, and and she helped me, you know, craft my 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 writing. And, and I thought, well, maybe I can have a career in this. I, I, if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years before then, I, I didn't think it would be, even be possible. It just grew on me from there. And launching the website, it really, this was before the time of Twitter and, and Facebook was just starting off in, in 2005, I mm-hmm. think. And there wasn't really that much social media interaction, but just the reaction I got from when I started going to some races and paying my own way to these races, that was the other big challenge. It was like the website I had started didn't make any money, you know, and I wasn't, I was 18 years old. I wasn't that experienced in the industry. I didn't know how to go about the right way of, of running a business. You know, I was, I was just off, um, about to go to college and it, it was a very good learning experience for me, I think, because it, it helped me other people helped me show the rope that they helped show the ropes to me and, right. and, and, and really take that journey. And I don't think I would be where I am right now if it wasn't for that first project, because I took a lot of the lessons learned from there into my new, new venture right now. Well, I love the fact that you started it so young and starting any new business is fraught with all sorts of challenges. And the fact that you probably started it without a thought of it really making money, was that your approach just to have some fun with it? Or did you think you would build it into a business? Well, I, I thought I would start start at it with just a little bit of fun. I still wasn't sure where I wanted to go career-wise. You know, it's like I, 
I had applied for a, an engineering school in uh, Michigan, Kettering University, which was kind of like a, a well-known school that's, you know, a lot of automotive automotive uh, engineers would go to and have the, their career path sort of, you know, sure. pushed, in, pushed, in, pushed in that direction. And I was sort of hit for a few months there thinking, do I accept, do I go, or do I try something else? And I thought, well, I'm not really 100% happy if I go that route. And I, I don't think I'd be... It's automotive, it's cars, it's great, but I think there might be something else that I'd really enjoy involved in the automotive industry. And I just decided to do the website, and and I didn't really have any long-term ambitions at that point, you know. And and the real reason why you know I, I shut down the site, I think two and a half years after I started, was because I had a, a deal with Motorsport.com, and my studies were getting a little more intensive, and I, I couldn't really maintain that level of the high standard level that I was sort of expecting. So. Right. I think that was a, definitely a, a success, but it was a, it was definitely a challenge at the same time. Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and have you share a story when you had a real aha moment in your career. You're still a very young man, so you've still got a lot of adventures ahead of you, but is there one time you can remember when you had that aha moment? And if you could tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, it would definitely be the whole evolution with Speed Channel going away and moving into Fox Sports 1. Because I, I had a pretty a pretty stable job with them. You know, I'd worked there for over five years and had been their lead sports car racing reporter. I was happy. I was traveling, you know, all over the place around the world. I was able to, you know, negotiate travel expenses with to get everywhere I really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But I saw the light at the end of the tunnel starting to creep up. It must have been, I think, March or April of, of 2000. 12 it was there were right. some rumors that that speed was going to be maybe merging into to a regular you know sports network because it was speed channel is owned by fox from 2001 so mm-hmm. technically i was working for fox all along but when i first started to hear some rumblings that there might be a shake up on the network side it sort of had me concerned for my job obviously. right and I didn't really make much of it at the beginning, but I started thinking in the background, thinking like, well, hey, where where can I go? You know, what can I do? How can I keep fueling my passion? Right. I kept it in the back of my head for a few months. And then one thing, once things started getting real, so it came quicker than I thought. And, and I was sort of scrambling around thinking, you know, trying to figure out what, what I can do. I talked to other websites, other publications, and had some pretty good offers out there. But it, it wasn't really how it was back in the speed days. I had a lot of freedom. I had a lot of control on, on okay. the content and had some great editors there that were understanding. And, and obviously the numbers, you know, made sense and, and, and we were getting a lot of traffic. And I, I saw with speed.com basically going away, it was turned into a blog site mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't going to be as dedicated as it was, you know, with a true website. I thought there was a huge void for, for news, for, for sports car news in particular. Oh, and I see. And I, I thought, well, why don't I just start something of my own? And mm-hmm. and I got the call. It was I remember it pretty vividly. I was at the Twenty Four Hours of Le Mans in June of 2013 from my boss, and there was still some back and forth. Thinking, you know, maybe they were going to save the website, and they're trying to find some budget. And and he called me on the Thursday morning of, of qualifying, and he said, "Yeah, sorry, the site's not going to be around. Um, we're cutting it off on August 14th. I think it was August 14th, the the last day the TV network was on, mm-hmm. and it's going to be turned into some kind of blog. But we're not going to be able to keep you employed full time and and whatnot. And that really hit me there. Oh and yeah." 
I remember going through the rest of the week. This was our biggest race of the year that we cover. And, you know, myself and, and my colleague at the time, Marshall Pruitt, were, were covering it for the website. And obviously all the TV people were there, too, for, you know, covering the full race um, on, on the network. Mm-hmm. And I, I sort of struggled to get through the rest of that weekend. And um, I spent, a, I, I think I had a day off after the race in Paris. And I was there with another um, photographer friend of mine, and I sort of really started formulating the idea, thinking, hey, I need to do something on my own. Yeah. And he gave me some some good tips, and I got the ball rolling. And within a couple of weeks, I'd started speaking to some investors and, and some, some people that I thought I might want to be part of. And I, I went down a really pretty far path with, with one investor and, and, in a, and, a, and a, an actual like media company that was going to basically help fund the whole thing. But... Things weren't getting finalized as quickly as I as I wanted to, and and I, I knew the, the the cutoff date for speed was you know in August. Right, mid, mid it was August. coming. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, well, we need something immediately after, basically, to try to you know to make it look like I'm not gone and that spot is is empty. Sure. So I I thought, well, let me just do it on my own and and just see how things come. I really didn't have a, a long-term plan. I didn't have a five-year goal yeah. initially, and I, I, I started searching for for domain names and and doing everything on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, launched Sports Car 365 on I think September 4th, 2000, 2013, and um, <laughs> awesome. it was done entirely by me. The web design, the the maintenance, the ad sales, everything initially was. It was just my little project. And honestly, just like when I started the, the paddock.net back in 2005, I didn't really know where it was going to go, you mm-hmm. know, although I had learned a lot along the way. Right. I knew this was going to have to be a business. That was the only difference from the first, my first attempt. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I launched it from there. And so I, I, I think that's really when the lights went on, you know, mm-hmm. through that whole process in, in 2013 from, from maybe June to, to August when I really had to sort of pull up the bootstraps and, and try to find my own solution because there wasn't really a good option out there for me to, to continue in the role I had. Well, it's a proverbial one door closes and other opens. And what's great about this is you open your own door and exactly. move forward, which is fantastic. That's great. I, I appreciate you sharing that story with me. I, I mentioned to you before that uh, one of my guests here in Cars, yeah, Bob Varsha, went through the same thing, worked for the same company and same kind of transition. One day he was employed, the next day he wasn't. But that pushed him in another direction that ended up being great. So you never know what the future will bring some days. How about proudest moments? I'd love for you to share, and you probably had many, but I'd love for you to share one that really stands out in your mind. I think the biggest one that stands out for me was the ALMS Grand Am merger story that came out in August 2012. I was at Baltimore for the ALMS race that weekend, which which was with IndyCar, and it started hearing some more more and more snippets about a merger between ALM, American Le Mans Series and Grand Am, mm. and those were obviously two big rival sports car series in the U.S. And you always heard some rumors from time to time that oh they might get together or one might buy out each other, and you sort of put that to bed. And I'd started hearing stuff back in July about it, and I thought, well, no, there's not it's not going to happen. We always get this thing every you know once a year. I, I think. <laughs> Yeah. I even reached out to the president of the ALMS at the time, you know, and he de- denied it and, and whatnot. But I started hearing it from more and more people in the industry that weekend in particular at Baltimore and got a lot of phone calls. And I thought, well, this is something that's really, really, you know, that I really have to follow up on. And, right. and I was working with Marshall Pruitt at the time, my colleague, the, the auto racing editor for Speed, and and he helped do some digging too. And and we got it to the point where, hey, this is definitely happening we were able to break the story on uh, race day morning for the ALMS race. Oh, wow. And, um, 
it was really, really shattering. I don't remember ever being part of a, such a big story in my career, and I don't think I'll ever have such a big story in my career again. It was it was kind of surreal because within moments of publishing the story, it was scrolling on the bottom of Speed Channel. Um, I was on I was on uh, a Speed News later that evening. Very it was, cool. It was kind of like a I had a couple other uh, radio shows calling me for live interviews. It was like kind of like a whirlwind media tour. Yeah, and I had never I had no idea that would even happen, but. You know, it shook up the racing world by yeah. storm, and, and within four days from there, they, I think, yeah, it was uh, that Tuesday after the race, they made the formal announcement in Daytona, and and it was just a surreal feeling walking into that place, thinking like, wow, this this is really happening. Yeah, I broke the story. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car, and if you could share a memory that you had with that vehicle with us? Well, I don't have many cars, and I'm only 28 right now. That's so okay. My, fir- my first car was a Mazda 3 oh, in okay. 2005. Uh-huh. I had that for a bunch of years. Then I got a Mazda Speed 3. So I, you can see the trans- You can see the, the, the yeah. loyalty there. But I really enjoyed the Mazda Speed 3. I actually just traded it in for another Mazda 3, believe it or not. But <laughs> um, that might be the next question with, uh, with seller's, seller's remorse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking. I wonder if that is the next answer. He had some really good memories with the Mazda Speed 3, I think. I bought it in uh, August of 2009. It was one of the first shipped to the U.S. It was a Velocity Red, a great color. And, oh, yeah. And I, I drove it right up to, to Mossport International Raceway. So now it's called Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Mm-hmm. Within like a day after I got it, and I was going out there for a race and had a lot of fun time just getting to know it. And yeah. I was a little careful making sure I didn't get a ticket of any kind because it was, <laughs> sort of stood out. But that definitely is the most memorable car i've had so far but i'm sure i'll have a lot more in the in the decades to come well i certainly hope so i've had a lot of guests here on cars yeah that are mazda fans and especially miata fans but uh yeah it's been a popular car and i think i think it is for sure well i have to ask it then how about seller's remorse is it that vehicle you shared with us that you wish you could have back well i'm not to that point just yet because i just traded it in a few days ago oh okay (laughs) (laughs) but i you know, it was a tough decision. It was getting old. It was five and a half years old. The value was going down. And I'm thinking, well, do I wait a couple more years for a new Mazda Speed 3 that's supposed to come out in 2017 or 2018? Or do I just get a regular Mazda 3? You know, honestly, I've been traveling so much and it's, I don't put many miles on the car yeah. and and I don't really get much free time because the web, my, my website is, takes up so much of my time now where I don't really get to let it loose anywhere. So I thought it, the most sensible decision is just to get a regular Mazda 3 for now and then see what the future holds. There so you go. seller's remorse, it's not hit me yet, but I'm sure there's going to be a time where I, I might be regretting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. Is there a project you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? It's not necessarily one project, but I think sports car racing as a whole is going through a whole new era. You know, there's a lot of new innovation in the sport and a lot of excitement. The Nissan LMP1 car was actually launched during the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. And it's an amazing car. LMP1s are are top flight prototypes that are fighting for the overall victory at Le Mans and, and in the World Endurance Championship around the world. And most all of them are like you know ground up creations that are usually rear engined rear wheel drive and now they've started inter- introducing hybrid technology you know to to make them almost four wheel drive at times right but this Nissan is really interesting because it's actually front wheel drive and a front engine and that's unheard of in this category mm-hmm. so just using that as one example and the way the rules are opening up for for this category in particular it really excites me and and there's 
there's been a lot more innovation brought into the sport. Just when we see other types of racing become more and more spec, you know, everybody has the same car and engine and you can't do any tinkering or, or developments. There's a, a couple big series in sports car racing that, that embrace development and embrace that the road car relevance and, and, and stuff that you can learn from the track that takes it down to the street and vice versa even. So I'm really excited to see what the next, you know, five, ten years brings. Are we going to see a fully electric car at Le Mans? You know, that's a good possibility. Nissan actually brought one out um, last year right. that yeah. did a full lap around Le Mans in, in electric power. So, you know, it, it can't last 24 hours, but who knows what the future can bring. And I, I think that's the most exciting part of my job because I get to sort of tell those stories as things um, unfold. Of course. And even when we saw Audi come up with a diesel car, mm-hmm. you know, people going, diesel? What? <laughs> think exactly. of that as for big slow cars. But uh, yeah. I think we're going to see electric cars running at Le Mans 24 hours before we know it. I think that that'll be the, tr- the case. Now, here's a fun question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? That's another tough one. I, yeah. I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, that's that's pretty philosophical here. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't really have that feeling with me right now. But in terms of my favorite cars through the years, I, I really enjoyed. I really liked the Selina S7R and even the the Ford GT, the the last generation from 2005 oh, to 2006. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know the the. I don't know what what kind of personality that would transcend to me with that, but. I love the the prototype looking nature of those cars and and how sleek they are. They were, you know, the Selina in particular was built for the racetrack and then built for the road. And even the new Ford GT that was that was launched in uh, Detroit in January this year has the has that same kind of philosophy. And I I really like seeing that kind of stuff in, in particular because uh-huh. it sort of advances the. The, the sport as well. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to have you keep working on that that question right. in the future. Someday I'm going to have you call me back when you figure that one out. I there know, we go. I know it could be a challenge sometimes. So, John, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a little something for the Cars Yeah listeners. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Okay, John, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And you're a guy who likes to go to races. You know what this means. The white flag is out. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think to stay at it. Keep continuing, keep you know, fueling your passion, and, and don't give up until the, the last straw because decisions can be changed at the last minute. You, know, you can try to convince somebody to go do something or, or, or develop a new product or, or develop a new website, and I, I think that's just having that motivation really helps you go a long way. Well, and it's very much a racing mentality as well. Until you pass the checkered flag, you never know what might happen in front of you. So just stay at it. That's why I call this the last lap. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your successes? I think I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, but I like doing things my own way, and I like doing things the proper way, if, if you could even say proper. I treat things with high quality, and I don't put out, you know, half 
half-baked items or news or gossip. You know, I, I like verifying the facts with sources or, or if I'm on the, on, on the brink of, of a scoop, I make sure it's right because it could hurt your reputation in, in the long run. And I, I think that's really helped my business and, and have me prosper over the years. Oh, absolutely. Would you share a resource with our listeners you're really fond of? I know there are many out there, but is there one in particular that you love going to? Maybe it's a website or maybe it's a blog. Whenever I'm writing stuff, I, I need to have facts and I need to know how many races this driver did or if he was ever paired with another driver or if this car competed at this race or whatever. There's one site in particular that I usually go to, to just to get those facts, and it's called RacingSportsCars.com. Hmm. And they have a really good database of stats and entry lists um, from all types of sports car racing dating back from you know the 30s and 40s onwards. And um, it's a great resource for me as a journalist to try to make sure everything is, you know, to, to add a little more insight into these articles and, and add some backstory when I'm trying to, to add some more words. Perfect. John, would you share a book with us that you think the Cars Out listeners should get their hands on? I know it's difficult. There's lots of great books out there, but one in particular that you've enjoyed? I really enjoyed reading the, the Alex Nardi's book, My Sweetest Victory. Oh, um, yes. It really helped motivate me, just, almost just like what's how Steve Jobs, you know, his whole career helped motivate me in business alex's story just helped motivate me to as a person too so um i remember reading it on on the way out to japan for a race back in 2009 Mm -hmm. and actually got to interview alex afterwards so that was a real memorable moment oh god he was doing a world touring car race at the time and i was covering a a I was covering the Asian Le Mans series then, but still they were, they were a shared weekend, and it was a really good, really memorable experience for me to, to be able to do that. I'll bet. Well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find these resources at carsyacom slash John DeGeese. And John's last name is D-A-G-Y-S. John, do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? The short answer is no, unfortunately. <laughs> it's sort of eaten up my whole life. And yeah, the last, say, three or four years in particular, it's trying to keep a business going, in particular my new venture with SportsCar365.com. It's it's taken up my whole life, and I, I enjoy it, but there's, there's some times where you need to sort of disconnect at times, and the only hobby I could probably say I've sort of enjoyed and sort of morphed into in the last few years has been travel because I've been so fortunate to to go to some so many new places and so many oh yeah uh, um, wonderful circuits around the world I've sort of tried to add a day or two on after each trip if I can oh, you know perfect. to go to go do some sightseeing whether it's you know in Paris or Tokyo or Rome or, or whatnot you know so I'm so I'm start, starting to get, sort of get into that and even the photography side you know I'm I was so focused on just motorsports photography all these years, and now I'm starting to broaden you know, my range a little bit and try to do more travel photography, and, and who knows where that could lead in the future, but yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying that aspect. I see maybe a motorsport slash travel website for people who love cars, but need to know where do they go to see cars so i've i've thought about it i have some urls reserved it's just a matter of time yeah it's just a matter of finding another 24 hours in every day (laughs) i understand completely all right john we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a real doozy for some people if you could only have one collector car in your garage and i'll include collector race car if you want to have a vintage race car or some type of a race car and money's no object i'll buy you whatever you'd like today what would that one vehicle be and why? Wow, that's a real tough one. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Just one. I, I would I would have to think from a historical perspective, 
so that's a real tough one. Um, going through the years, you know, obviously I don't I haven't been involved in the sport as long as a lot of others, but in terms of racing, what what's what stood out to me is the whole generation of of Acura slash Honda um, prototypes, in, whether it be LMP1 or LMP2. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember covering the the 12 hours of Sebring in 2007. I think it was my second time there on assignment. And Acura won in their debut race with the, with the Andretti Green Team. And um, it was a beautiful-looking car. It's based off a Courage LC75, which is a French prototype. Acura developed their own bodywork and an engine. And it was a full-fledged factory program through those years in ALMS. And it evolved into an LMP1 car. And, and that constructor contracted um, another company worth research to, to, to build a brand-new Acura in 2000. 2009 didn't have that much success it was in an LMP, lmp1 car in the alms and they reverted back to their tried and trusted um model which was the arx zero um one line of cars and they actually developed a new line the zero three and that's where the sort of sort of the story goes and i was uh, covering the 2012 fi world endurance championship the first year of this new series the big race obviously is the 24 hours of Loma. And um, I had been assigned to do some video blogs with this American team, one of only two teams, one of only two American teams doing it, and it was Starworks Motorsport. And they ended up winning the the two big races in that championship, the 12 hours of Sebring and the 24 hours of Le Mans <laughs> with this car. Yeah. It, was, um, it, was a, it was actually called an HPD then, Honda Performance Development, ARX03B. And they ended up winning the world championship as well. So this was the first championship for an American-based constructor in 40-something years. And HPD is based in California. I know they obviously have roots in Japan, but mm-hmm. there was, it was being treated as an American effort and from an American team. And it really meant a lot to me because I was the only American journalist covering this championship full-time. And, nice. Um, the car itself was just so powerful, so good all around the world. It had, it had a lot of success in America with a couple other teams as well. And so, if I had to put one car in my garage, I think it would definitely have to be a, an HPD ARX 03B, as it ended up being. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, that is unique. You're the first one to select that race car. <laughs> I'm sure I was. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. That would look really nice in your garage. I think that'd be great. Now you just have to build your own track so you could go out and drive it every weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Would you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack in that Honda? I think it's just to follow your dreams and, and do what you love doing. I, I, I don't think I'd be happy sitting in, a, in an office somewhere buried in paperwork or, or whatever it may be. Sure. I, I really enjoy being at the racetrack, being able to cover the sport I love and being able to share all of those, the news and, and analysis and, and information with other people that love it as well. And I'm really fortunate to have made a career in this and, and I hope others can, can sort of do the same thing too, because, you know, I, I don't see myself in any other position right now. Fantastic guidance. I appreciate that. And that's what Cars yeah is all about. Listeners, you can find again, everything we've talked about here at carsyacom slash John DeGeese. John, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners and uh, popping in here at Cars Yeah before you take off to cover a race down under in Australia. I hope you have a great time. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Well, thanks a lot for having me on, Mark. It's been appreciated and it was a a great time. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. 
Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!